Lord, we come to you this evening, and we desire, Lord, that bread of life, the living word, the living truth. Lord, we're here tonight to be revived, and it is our goal that, that every night every one of us could experience revival in our hearts, that we could draw a little bit closer to you, Lord, that our faith would grow a little bit more, Lord, to be more of you and less of, a, less of us in our lives. And so, Lord, tonight I pray for the, for the time now that we face of, of the pouring out of your word, Lord, and I pray you would take a frail man, Lord, tonight, and that your word would come forth and would hide me behind the cross, and the power of your word would speak to our hearts, and I, I trust your Holy Spirit tonight to take the message and direct it to our hearts and to our needs, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Brother Terrell, for bringing the whiteboard up. I just simply would like to write the title up here because it's a bit unusual, and so maybe it helps you focus a little bit more. Revive Stones of the Rubbish. I invite you tonight to open your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 4. I've got two verses here I'd like to use as a text. Nehemiah chapter 4. Verses 1 and 2. But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we built the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now the book of Nehemiah is a wonderful story of the history of God's people. And they were facing a very difficult time in in their being on earth. But by the power of God, they rose up. And they banded together, and they unified, and they had one goal, and they applied themselves to the task of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Now, the city of Jerusalem was a mess. It was a disgrace, I believe, as I read this chapter and meditated on this book. I believe it was an embarrassing situation for the people that were living there, but along comes this man, Nehemiah, and I appreciate this man. I like how he came in here. He didn't come in and say, hey, everybody, listen up. 
I'm Nehemiah, and some good things are going to happen. You know, we've been sitting here in this mess long enough. Now listen to what I have to say. That's not what he did. This man had a call from God. And let me see if I can find that. Yes, he, he, he explains it so. He says, God had put it in my heart. I'm here because God called me. God had called him to the work of rebuilding this city, the walls of the city. And he didn't just show up there on a whim. The first train that rolled in, he had prayed, he had fasted, he had mourned, he had wept. I think I read somewhere that he prayed and fasted for four months. And then he went to his boss, the king, and he said, I really got a burden. God has put on my heart to go to my city and to rebuild these walls. And he gets to Jerusalem, and he looks over the situation at night. And I'm not, I'm not reading this whole story, but you can read the book, and it's in there. He gets there. And he goes out at night. And I'm not sure why Nehemiah did that. You know, why didn't he just walk out there in the daylight so he could see things better? It seems to me that you could have seen better. But he says he went out at night with a few of his men. And I, I'm not sure why. He, he, he obviously didn't want people seeing him. But he went out to see the destruction. To see what it looked like. And it says he viewed the broken down walls and the burned gates. And it was so bad, the Bible says here, it was so bad that, and so broken down that his donkey couldn't even walk through it. Piles of rubble, rubbish, stones that had been broken down, his donkey couldn't even navigate through it. It was a mess. But Nehemiah said in chapter 2, verse 20, I think it is, the God of heaven will prosperous. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. So here comes Nehemiah, put there by God. Spirit of God on this man. He was prepared. He had prayed up, fasted up, and he was ready to go. And he was resisted. The enemy resisted him, and that's the verse we read in chapter 4, verse 1. His enemies resisted. They were wroth. They were angry. They were furious, they protested, they mocked him, they laughed at him, they made fun of him. They called them names, they said, you feeble Jews. That's what he called them, feeble Jews. You've been sitting here for a hundred years and nothing has happened and all at once you think you're going to rebuild these walls? Oh, what a joke. And he said things like this, you're going to sacrifice to your God and you think some wall's just going to jump up? Oh, they laughed at him. Made fun of them. In fact, they said, one of them said, you know, even if you would get a wall built, it would be so flimsy and so weak that if a fox would run over, it would break it down. That's what they said. The Bible records that. Made fun of them. They said this. And their mockery, and they're slamming him, and they're trying to discourage him. They said, what are you going to do, Nehemiah? Are you going to dig into this pile of rubbish and revive the broken, charred stones? Is that what you're going to do and build a wall out of those things? Brothers and sisters, tonight, that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. Chapter 6, verse 15. So the wall was finished in the 20th, 20 and 5th day of the month, Elu, in 50 and 2 days. And when all the enemies, and it came to pass that when all our enemies heard thereof, and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. 
52 days after nearly 100 years of rubbish. 52 days they had brand new walls, revived stone walls. The power of God through his people revived the stones of rubbish. It's a beautiful Old Testament account. And tonight I'm taking this physical account. And I want to parallel it and make a spiritual application tonight. Tonight I would like for us to think about our own lives, not our past, not our history, but I'd like for us to think about where we are at tonight. What is my spiritual status tonight? Where do I stand before God Almighty? We need to ask ourselves questions like this. Am I complacent in my spiritual life? Am I lukewarm? Do I have sin? Hey, sin in my life that is separating me from God Almighty. And that is just bogging my wheels down the mud spiritually. Do I have broken commitments in my life? Have I gotten lazy spiritually? Have I slipped into discouragement? If, if my current status is what I just described, you know what that is, friends? That is rubbish. It's the broken down stones from your life wall. That's the comparison I'd like to make tonight. Rubbish from my life wall. Stones that have fallen out and broken down. Dear friend, tonight, my brothers and sisters, is my life, this is a question we must ask ourselves, is my life a part of a heap of rubbish. The message that I want to share with you tonight is very personal to me. And it is for me, first of all. And you know, friends, I have found that we are not very good at analyzing ourselves. You know, when we try to analyze ourselves, we we tend to grade ourselves pretty high, don't we? When we analyze ourselves, yes, we do. We tend to grade ourselves pretty high. I like to think that I'm a positive person. And I I hope I am. I want to be. I am excited about following Jesus. I'm very excited about that. I'm excited about church. I'm excited for your church here. I'm very excited for our church at home because I know it a whole lot better. I know it inside out. I don't know your church, but I'm excited for you. I'm excited that you're here tonight. I'm excited about our church family. I love our, our, our blood family at home, our children and grandchildren. I love my wife. I love to be with family. I enjoy working. People ask me sometimes what I do. I do carpenter work, and they kind of look at me. Really? I mean, yeah, I enjoy it. I enjoy working. 
I enjoy people. And I'm anticipating the second coming. I told you last night we're living on the trumpet side of the ascension. And I'm anticipating the trumpet to sound someday. I don't know if it will be in my lifetime or not. I would love that if it would be. However, there's been some things that have happened lately that I would say have shaken my wall. I guess I can say it that way. They've gotten my attention. I don't believe my wall has fallen down. I don't think the stones have crumbled. But these have certainly got my attention, and I want to respond to these things in the right way. I know there are, there, these things come into our life, and I know there's a temptation to respond to them in the wrong way. And I want to avoid that. And I'll share with you what some of these things are that have shaken me a bit. There have been several, and I, and I hesitate to say this, but... It's true. Preachers, preachers that I have known well, that I have looked up to and trusted and followed. And they have walked away from truth. That shakes me up. Another thing that I think about is old age, and I'm 62, I just turned 62, and I feel young. I, I, I do. I feel good, and I feel young, and I can enjoy volleyball and softball, and, and I could play with you young, not as good as you, don't get me wrong, but I could play with you. I enjoy that. But, you know, I realize I cannot deny it anymore that I'm getting older, and I don't really like that, and... I don't look forward to getting old and not being able to function and take care of myself. And, and I don't know if the Lord would spare me from that or not. But, you know, that shakes me up a bit. And then another thing is COVID-19 comes along and I, it shakes me up. When I see our own churches struggling in how to deal with COVID-19, friends, that scares me a bit. Because, friends, if we cannot get through COVID-19 without falling apart in their churches. How are we ever going to survive when tougher things comes along? It's a challenge, friends. And then this past summer, we were building a, what I would consider for us a large pole building. It was, I think it was 60 foot by 164, if I remember the dimensions right. And we were setting trusses, and we had a crane there, 60-foot trusses, 2 by 12 top cord for those of you that are carpenters, and they were heavy things, 600 pounds each, if I remember correctly. And we had, it had went well, and we had put a lot of bracing. We took extra care, and we put a lot of bracing on those things, and we felt good about it. And we had about 36 foot to go yet, I believe, and we decided to come down for lunch. We crawled down off that roof and just crawled down, I'd, I'm, minutes, mere minutes, and a little windstorm came along, and bam, the whole thing was down on the ground, just like that. It was close. The next day, we cut them up with chainsaws and carried them out. Close. Close. 
My personal testimony tonight is this, friends. I have determined that I will not stop building the wall. By the grace and power of God, I am going to continue building the wall, my life wall, the kingdom wall. I have determined I do not want to be a part of the heap of rubbish. I don't want to do that. And friend, if you are here tonight and your life has a broken stone, your life wall or broken stones, and you're adding to that heap of rubbish, friend, I'm here tonight to encourage you along with myself. I'd like to use this phrase here in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 2, and draw a parallel between the physical stone wall and our spiritual life. The question came out of mockery. Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish? The answer tonight is yes. Spiritually, yes. Physically, they did it. Yes, they revived those stones and they rebuilt those walls. The answer tonight spiritually is yes. Your broken, charred stones can be revived. And we say, well, how can that be? How can it happen? I'll tell you tonight, friends, it's by the way of the cross. By Jesus' blood. By forgiveness of sins. He went to that cross and we can go there and we can be forgiven of our sins and those stones can be revived. It's by following Jesus every step of the way, every day, every hour, every minute, following Jesus. It's by having personal Holy Spirit power inside of my life. It's by having a transformed mind and being a new man. And we might say, well, you know what? I get that. I I do get that. I get it about all that. But still, my life, it isn't that way. I still got things I'm dealing with in my life. I still got stones that are broken, and I still got rubbish in my life. I still got that besetting sin I just can't get over. I get it. But how do we revive those stones? Well, friends, tonight God will do his part. But there's a part that we have to do, and that is to get up. Nehemiah said, we will arise, and we will build the wall. Tonight I want to use the word desire. Nehemiah said, we will arise. We have a desire. We're going to get it done. My friends, tonight you have got to want to. You must have a desire. That's why I wanted to tell that story about the badger. The badger had a desire to escape that pen no matter what it took. He was going to escape because he had a desire to get out of there. And we're not badgers. But generally speaking, we do what we want to do. And generally speaking, we get what we want because of desire. Nehemiah and company had a desire, and it was evidence, evident. They said, we will arise and we will build. 
And it says in chapter 4, verse 6, So we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. They had a desire to do it. They weren't forced to do it. They wanted to do it. And I understand tonight that desire is not one of the basic doctrines in the Bible. I understand that tonight. In fact, I wanted to say before I started this evening that tonight is just this week. My, my desire this week is to preach the gospel message. And every night is just a part of that gospel message. It's another page, another chapter. And so I understand tonight that desire is not a basic doctrine, but it is biblical. It's part of our part. And, and I'll show you some verses here tonight that prove that. Like the old saying goes, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. You got a horse and you got beautiful water coming maybe out of a spring and it's cool, cold, and clean, and pure, and you take a horse up there, and he won't drink, and you shove his nose down in that water, and he won't drink, and all you're doing is making his muzzle wet, that's all you're doing, because he doesn't want it. Some people drink from the sewer. The devil's well, because that's what they want. I want to show you some scripture about desire. And I will just re-quote the one I read in children's class. Jeremiah 29, 13, if I can get there. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. God said, it's a promise, friends. You want me, you can have me. When you search for me with all your heart, when that's what your heart desire is, you can have it. And then we go to Psalm 37. And it's up to you if you want to follow along or not, but I'm turning to some of these rapidly. Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. If that's what we want, God says you're going to have it. 2 Corinthians, we go to the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7. And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you when he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me so that I rejoice the more. Earnest desire. Oh, he said they had an earnest desire for truth, an earnest desire for holiness. Earnest desire for fellowship. And then down in verse 11, he says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. Oh, I think I got the wrong verse. Verse 11. I was reading the wrong verse. Uh, let's see here. Yes, for behold this selfsame thing, that ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carelessness it wrought in you, yea, what clearing of yourself, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, what zeal, what revenge. Vehement desire. That word means intense. Earnest longing, a craving for repentance, for renewal, for a right standing with God. A zeal for holiness. 
1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, I won't turn there, but it talks about desiring the word of God like a baby desires milk. The baby desires milk and he cries for it and he wails for it and he doesn't quit until he gets it because that's what he wants. And, the word of, and God says that we should desire truth and holiness and God like a baby desires milk. And then Hebrews chapter 11, verse 16 says, but now they desire a better country. Noah, Abraham, Moses, we talked about them last night. They had a desire for holiness that overrode the earthliness and the pleasure and the position and the riches and the power they could have had because they desired holiness. Friends, tonight, how much do we desire holiness? To revive the stones of rubbish in our life. Am I, are you, willing to do whatever you got to do as often as you got to do it to build the wall of spiritual holiness in my life? I'd like to give you several positive examples out of the scripture. I'm not necessarily going to turn to these. I'm going to refer to them. In Joshua chapter 14, we have Caleb. And Caleb had a deal with 40 years in the wilderness. And if you think about this man and what he went through, you know, he came back and he told the truth. And him and Joshua and, and the rest of them all lied about it and God dealt with them. And so they couldn't go in the promised land. And, and Caleb spent 40 years in the wilderness. And think about what he did in those 40 years. You know what he did? He went to funerals. That's what he did. 40 years of it. And there he was. He didn't deserve this. And everybody around him dying and wandering around and going nowhere for 40 years. And I don't know, possibly he got discouraged. I don't know. It doesn't seem like it. But now he comes to be in an old age, an old man. He's 85 years old. And we come to verse 12 in chapter 14 of Joshua. And he said this, Now therefore give me this mountain. He was not asking for a pine craft. He was not asking for Sarasota. He was not asking for a shuffleboard court. He said, God, give me this mountain full of enemies, full of giants. He had a desire to conquer. And I think about David. David's life wall was rubbish. Committed murder, committed adultery, broken stones, a mess. David wanted forgiveness. He wanted clearing. He wanted cleansing more than anything else. Listen to his heart. He said this, wash me thoroughly from my sin. Oh God, I can't stand it anymore. I, don't, I want something better than this. He said against me, against thee have I sinned. He was not one of these men that you had to drag to the front of the, the church to, to force a confession out of his mouth. He said, I have sinned, O Lord. He said this, purge me with hyssop, make me clean, white as snow, create in me a clean heart, O God. He was so tired of the debauchery and the muck and the sin in his life. He wanted nothing more than to be washed white as snow. He said, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. He was an Old Testament man, but he had the New Testament philosophy. He knew that the joy of the Lord was out of his life. He knew he wasn't saved, and he wanted it back. He wanted that wall rebuilt. He wanted the rubbish 
revived. I think about the prodigal son in Luke 15, the rubbish of sin, and his, his wall was broken way down, and in fact it was all covered up with pig manure, and he was in the pig pen. And finally, he wanted restoration bad enough. He got up out of that pig pen, and he started walking towards home. Revived the stones of the rubbish. Another positive example I thought about was Paul. Paul had a lot of trouble in his life, and I'm not going to read all those verses tonight, but he was beaten with rods, and he was shipwrecked. I don't know how many times he was uh, in danger and perils and, and uh, in trouble in all kinds of ways and famine and all kinds of things. But you know what? His wall did not crumble. He didn't have broken stones. And we asked the question tonight, why? Why didn't his wall fall down? All the trouble he had in his life. Paul said this, I press for the mark. He had a desire, friends. He said, I want it. There's nothing. There's nothing that's going to stop me. I'll do whatever it takes to get there. Friends, I want to encourage you tonight. If there's broken stones of rubbish in your life, and we know what there are, if you desire If you arise and build, God will meet you there and prosper the building of your wall. My friend, tonight, if spiritual victory is eluding you, it's not God's fault. It's not his fault. You can have it if you want it more than anything else. You know, the rubbish heap is a dreadful place to be. And that, maybe that's why Habakkuk went out there in the middle of the night. It's a dreadful place to be. But friends, tonight there is a voice that cries out from that rubbish heap. And I want to tell you what that voice is saying tonight. It's the voice of God. And in Revelation twenty-two seventeen, we hear the voice of God and he says this, Whosoever will may come to the living water. The key word there is will. Whosoever will, whosoever has a desire can come to the living water. That's the voice we hear from the rubbish heap. Another voice we hear is Jesus. He says, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden. The key word is come, to have a desire. Romans chapter 10, verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. The key word is call, a desire. If I willing to, to ignore, am I willing to lay aside every other call and call upon God? Daniel purposed in his heart. It was the desire. He purposed in his heart for holiness, and he desired that more than his own life. It's what he wanted more than anything else. Joseph ran from Potiphar's wife because his desire was to have a life of purity, and so he ran. Friends, it comes down to what we want. Dear ones, tonight, if you're here and your life wall has crumbled, the message tonight is your life stones can be revived. It may be one stone, 
It may be many stones. It may be a pile of rubbish. But friend, God will rebuild that wall with his cleansing, with his love, with his forgiveness, with his power. If you're here tonight, the broken wall, stones that are crumbled, either you go home with the rubbish and wake up with the rubbish, or you can arise and build your wall of holiness tonight and can leave here a revived stone. It comes down to what we want. Shall we pray? Father, I come to you tonight. And you know every heart here tonight. Lord, you know what our life walls look like. And if there is someone here tonight, Lord, that needs a stone revived from their life wall, I pray, God, that your spirit would speak and your spirit would draw in a gentle, loving, strong way. You know our hearts, Lord. And I just pray for your presence to be here in a mighty way. I pray for the presence of the evil one to be driven outside that your spirit could draw if there are those here tonight. And I commit this little invitation time to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.